There are times in our life when we are frustrated, even angry, that something in our lives is downright unfair. We may be living our lives, doing what's right, and then someone takes advantage of us, and it seems like they are getting away with it while we suffer. Coming up, God's prescription when life isn't fair. Next, on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Fanus. Well, that title to the series, God's Prescription When Life Isn't Fair, is something that is so timely. And I think as I'm recording it right now at the beginning of December 2020, boy, that is a theme that we're feeling and dealing with. It's something that's needed. We need to address this from the scripture. And right now, we have been dealing with the problem of the pandemic and all of the associated difficulties we've seen our cities burn over the last year. We have seen uh, criminals that seem to be getting away with it. Uh, Now we have a contested election situation where there are allegations of widespread election fraud. And no matter where you are on that issue, it's frustrating. And... When that thing settles out, half of the United States is going to be downright probably mad. And uh, that's not a good situation. And so dealing with uh, these uh, vexing times that we are in right now. And, you know, when I record a podcast, it not only speaks to the day, my heart and my intention is for it to go way beyond the immediate situations of our day, because there are times, even when the economy is doing good and everyone else is doing good, that something hits our life that is downright unfair. And it may seem that someone else who is acting unrighteously and wickedly is getting away with it. And the difficulty that we have in that kind of situation, and I believe this is a natural response when there is injustice and unrighteousness, is we want justice, not just for ourselves, but we don't want that person to victimize someone else. And it can be tempting at a time like that to say, God, where are you? Why is it that the wicked seem to be getting away with murder while the righteous are suffering? So I took this to the Lord. I said, Lord, I know that the body of Christ needs to be spoken to during these crazy times, whether it's right now in the immediate circumstances when I'm recording this podcast or at some other time that people are dealing with in their lives. And I was asking the Lord for direction during all of these uh, perplexing issues that we're dealing with. I mentioned the pandemic, which is surging once again, and there, there are two sides that are going on in this issue. There's one of what I would believe is abject panic 
you know, hunker down, hide, shut everything down. And then on the other side, there's encouraging news of vaccines that are about ready to be released. And quite frankly, um, Many people have had this virus, they've been infected with it, and it's building immunity where there are fewer and fewer hosts for the virus to deal with. And yet there's two sides tearing back and forth. I mentioned the elections, the U.S. elections, two sides, one alleging widespread fraud, and that's working through uh, you know, the justice system right now. And the other side has already coronated their new president and acting like nothing untoward happened. And the end result is deep division where, like I said— <laughs> At the end of this thing, half of the country isn't going to be frustrated. I think they're going to be downright angry, and I'm concerned about that. Then there's economic problems. Uh, The U.S. had one of the strongest economies ever. That's not a political statement. That's a fact. You just study the statistics, and every major economic uh, indicator was very strong. In fact, um, unprecedentedly strong. And then this thing hit, the pandemic hit, and the shutdowns, and business after business has been collapsing, especially small businesses. And, you know, this is worldwide. Many other countries before the pandemic were having economic difficulties, and now they're right on the very edge of disaster, and here in the United States, and I suspect this is the case in other countries, the sum of all this is a growing sense of anger, frustration, and resentment. Folks, that's not good. Because when we give in to anger, frustration, fretting, and resentment, the flesh takes over. And we end up doing impulsive things in anger that we later regret. I'm not the only one who's done that. Or I've been frustrated, even angry about a situation, and, and I've let it fester, and then all of a sudden I just impulsively do something in anger that later on I deeply regret. I think, boy, I wish I would have held off and allowed the Lord to step into the situation instead of me stepping in and messing things up. You see, what happens when when we're in a situation is it's very easy for us to get our focus off of God and onto man. And we can fret over the increase of wickedness, over the fact that it seems like the wicked are getting away with it. But I'm going to say that God has a strong word to us at such times, and we would be wise to heed that word. I said that the difficulty can be that our flesh can take over when we're frustrated, when we're angry, when we have resentment. Jesus said of the flesh in John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Did you hear that? The flesh, that is our humanity apart from God, the flesh profits nothing. Now, why in the world will we ever get involved in, a, in anything, a venture or otherwise, that has no profits? Jesus said, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh 
profits nothing. And in John 6.63, he said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Not the words of CNN, Fox News, NBC, CBS, The New York Times, The Guardian, Washington Post, or whatever news media you consume. Jesus says, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Listen, dear friend, do you want to walk the destructive and deadly ways of the flesh or the way of the spirit? We don't need more destruction and death in this current circumstances or whatever circumstances you're facing in your frustrating dilemma. No, we need life. We need the life of the Spirit. And I'm going to say that God is speaking to us right now. Are you listening? God speaks to us continually by his word and by his spirit. One, speaking of that, I get frustrated whenever I hear uh, people say there have been whole Christian books written on the supposed subject, what to do when God isn't speaking. (laughs) Maybe you've heard people talk that way. I mean, pastors and teachers in the body of Christ, or even authors of books who should know better There is no such thing as a time, any time, when God is not speaking. I want to say, pick up your Bible. God is speaking very clearly, very loudly, and very directly through his Bible. But if your Bible's getting dust, then you're going to be thinking, he stopped talking. No, he's talking. Are we listening? Hey, I do the same thing. I can get caught up with life circumstances, and neglect the quiet place in his presence, soaking in his word, being directed and fed and spoken to by the Spirit. God is speaking to us right now. He is speaking continually by his word and by the Spirit. And I'm going to say that God gave me, many years ago, a prescription for frustration, vexation, or anger, even anger. He gave me that prescription straight from the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you that the prescription's address in your Bible is very easy to remember. It's two Psalms. Psalm 37 and Psalm 73, it's easy to remember. Psalm 3-7 and Psalm 7-3. I call this the 3773 prescription from God. When I am frustrated, I am vexed, or even angry. You know, it's interesting that the numbers 3 and 7 in the Bible, in the Hebrew language of the Old Testament, not only do the letters mean certain things in terms of words, but they also connect to numbers. And the number three and the number seven are significant words in the Bible. The number three means harmony, new life, and completeness. Think of the Trinity. And that's found, the number seven 
meantime, uh, which occurs 860 times in the Bible, believe it or not, often symbolizes completion or perfection. And we see it in the book of Genesis at the creation account. When God finished, he completed his creation and he rested on the seventh day. I think it's interesting that God's prescription that he gave me many years ago, and I keep turning to, and frankly, I'm turning to right now, and I'm passing on to you, is the 3773 prescription, Psalm 37 and Psalm 73. God's prescription for your frustration, your vexation, your anger is his harmony, new life, and completeness. His completeness, completion, and perfection. So listen, let's take God's prescription when life is not fair. Psalm 37 and Psalm 73. And that's what we're going to be doing in this series. We're This series that uh, I have entitled, God's Prescription When Life Isn't Fair. And we're going to start in Psalm 37. And let me say this between these two psalms that, that are striking in the theme that they bring up, but their approach is very different. In Psalm 37, and you'll see this, it goes line upon line upon line upon line with two key themes. The one theme is don't let the wickedness and the unrighteousness of someone else eat at you, get you fretting, get you vexed, get you angry, where you start to move and act and respond out of your flesh with destructive results. It says don't do that. And on the other hand, it talks about how God intervenes. God will have his way. God is the one who is the resolver, the one who brings remedy and resolution that's lasting. In fact, not only in Psalm 37, but this is a theme all throughout the Bible. I would also say it's a theme throughout all of history where it seems that the wicked, the unrighteous, are for a period of time, they're getting away with it. And we're saying to God, God, why? Look at what they're doing. This is unfair. This is unjust. Why are they getting away with murder? And God says, it may seem for a time like they are, but the destruction and the calamity of the wicked and the unrighteous will come suddenly and catastrophically. And that theme comes out in Psalm 37, line upon line upon line upon line upon line, over and over and over again. It's like God is drilling this into our heads about the fact that it may seem like they're getting away with it now, but the day is coming when justice will come and it will befall them suddenly and catastrophically. And the other theme is the blessedness of those who trust in the Lord. Oh, and then there's Psalm 73. 73 picks that theme up, but in a very different way, in a very visceral way, in a very emotional way, in a very 
personal way. And so we're going to go through these two themes because this is medicine we need. Let me say this. This is medicine that I need. And man, I need it right now. You need it. We cannot give in to this world's spirit of injustice and unrighteousness or maybe uh, a reaction that's running ahead of God, doing things in the flesh, taking matters in our own hands, instead of turning to God, looking to him, trusting him, getting direction from him. This is needed. This prescription from God prescription when life is not fair. Let's take a moment as we embark. First, we're going to be in Psalm 37. Let's take some time right now and let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are an ever-present help in time of need. Lord, you are the glory and the lifter of our heads. And Father, you are King absolute Lord, absolute ruler. And Father, we recognize from the word that there are times in which it seems that the wicked, the unrighteous, are getting away with what they do. And it, and it seems like, not only that, but it seems like they're happy, they're enjoying life. This is wonderful. And meanwhile, the righteous are suffering. But Lord, your word instructs us that that is not so. There is a day that is appointed for the wicked, and the downfall of the wicked is sudden and great. Now, Father, I thank you, and I believe biblically that a big reason why it seems like there's a delay to justice is actually because your mercy is moving. You would that none should perish. You would that the wicked and unrighteous would turn from their way and put their hope and their trust fully in God. Father, I thank you that throughout history, and I'm thinking about American history, there have been many times of terrible crisis and calamity, far worse than we're going through right now. And yet, Lord, you heard the cry of your people as they got down on their knees, they turned toward heaven, they sought you, they put their trust in you, And Father, you moved so powerfully, so greatly, and so significantly with awakening and revival that the world was never the same after that. Dear Lord, humbly, we cry out to you and we pray for that in our day. None of us, Lord, deserve mercy. None of us deserve any blessing or good from you because of our own wickedness and sinfulness. And so, Lord, recognizing that, we turn to you, our Redeemer, our Savior, and our Lord. Father, there are many who are deceived by Satan himself. Father, I think about what it says in your word, Ephesians. It says that they're running the course of this world, 
driven by the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Lord, we recognize that we're not warring against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and heavenly places. Lord, we recognize we're up against a master deceiver called Satan. But I thank you, Lord, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so, Father, we quiet ourselves in your presence. We turn to your word. Holy Spirit, reveal the Father. Reveal the Son. Do the thing you do, Holy Spirit, in this day, at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friend, I just sensed something from God as I was praying. It's like the Lord is saying to me, this is where I want to talk. And friend, I just want to say, I need this. I need this. And may I be so bold as to say, and you need this too. So listen up, take note of what the Lord says. Let's turn to Psalm 37, the first part of this prescription, when life isn't fair, Psalm 37, and we're just going to walk through these verses and unpack them by the Holy Spirit and see the heart of God. Psalm 37 verse 1 says this, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Now, that verse is loaded. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. First, let's look at this idea of fret because of evildoers. Uh, This The Hebrew word literally means to burn, to be kindled, to glow, to grow warm. In fact, the root word for fret in the Hebrew means to eat, to consume, to be consumed. It's as if something is eating at you, whether worry or frustration or a situation that causes you to become angry. That's the idea behind this Hebrew word for fret. It's this idea of a kindling and a burning to get angry or to become vexed. It it isn't like a, a sudden thing that comes in. It's like something that's been heating up and kindling and growing and burning. And eventually it goes, bursts into like a flame. That's the idea behind this concept biblically of fret in Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evildoers. Now, listen. Evil is evil. Wrong is wrong. Unrighteousness is unrighteous. God is not saying sweep these things under the carpet. What God is warning us about is when we take his matters in our hands, especially when it comes to things like judgment, when it comes things to retribution, 
when we're trying to even the score or we're trying to carry out justice, that becomes very, very dangerous. We must let God move and do what he does as the righteous judge in his way and his time. Do not fret. Do not get burned up. Do not grow hot with anger because of evildoers. And I'm going to say the very natural response for us in our humanity when we have been wronged or we're seeing someone hurting someone else is we get angry. But I'm telling you, if we take justice in our own hands, shame on us. That's wrong. And we're seeing this in our culture today where people are taking matters in their own hands, trying to to make something that's wrong a right, and it's a disaster. God is saying, don't do it. And then the second part of verse 1, it says, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. You think, wait a minute, why would I be envious of the workers of iniquity? Because many times when it we're in that temporary space where the wicked and unrighteousness are doing what they're doing and they seem to be getting away with it. Not only are they getting away with it, but it seems like things are going great for them. Their lives are awesome. Everything is going their way. It seems like they're living it up. And meanwhile, the righteous seem to be suffering. We can be tempted, and this thought comes out more in Psalm 73, to look at one hand at the temporal situation of the wicked getting away with it and having a high time doing it. And meanwhile, I'm righteous, I am going the right way, and I'm suffering. Don't be envious of the workers of iniquity. It's iniquity. And by the way, Iniquity is the effect of sin. There are people that are doing wrong and sinful things, and it's having a profound impact on not only their lives, but on our culture as well. And you look at them, they might be on a talk show or whatever, and they're living the high life. Everything seems to be going their way. Don't be envious of them. That's a huge mistake. Why? Verse 2 says this, For they shall be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. This is the true destiny of the wicked, of the unrighteous. Grass is temporary, right? Oh, it seems to grow and flourish and do very well here today, but gone tomorrow. It's cut down, right? What do you do with grass? You cut it down. That's what it's being taught, said. They shall, watch what God says, verse 2, soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Do you see that? Do you understand that? That's a very important theme that's going to keep coming up over and over and over again in Psalm 37. Now listen to me. God is going to give us very 
pointed instruction here in this psalm, as I said, line upon line upon line, about things we need to be careful not to do. And on the other hand, God is going to be showing us the direction we need to go. It's not just a no, don't do this, don't fret, don't be envious of the workers of iniquity, but God gives the positive instruction for us that's based upon his grace and his goodness. And that's what we find here in verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Now, there is a key thought that comes out at the beginning of verse 3 where it says, trust in the Lord. Now, I've just come off four podcast episodes where I preached messages to my home church before the 2020 election and before the 2016 election called In God We Trust. And biblically and historically, I endeavor to make the point that when we put our trust in the Lord, that is a good thing. And sometimes, my dear friend, listen, we may have to put our trust in the Lord in the darkness. I'm not saying... We're totally in the dark because we have his word, we have the spirit, but everything else seems to be dark. We need to persevere in his word, persevere in our trust in him, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. And God is faithful. God is faithful. We can trust him because of his good character. It says over in um, James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is, listen, no variation or shadow of turning. I love that. Every single, every single good gift, and every perfect gift comes from God. The one who is above, he is the father of lights, as opposed to darkness, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. We can trust him because he is good, pure, perfect, bright goodness, and there's no variation. God is in the totality of his being, in his holiness, in his goodness, is there's no variation. Tomorrow when you wake up, he will be 100% perfectly good and righteous in everything that he is. And the day after that and the day after that through all of eternity, that is who our God is. He is good. And that awakens trust when we turn our attention to him. That's the key thing here. What am I paying attention to? The news media, no matter who I you know, get into one way or the other. Let me say this. If you are getting your direction about what things, what's going on in our world today from a source that never brings in God, don't trust it. Why? Because they're out of touch with the reality. If they don't bring up the greatest reality of all, which is God himself, why would you ever get your direction and leading from that? That's ridiculous. It makes no sense. Trust in the Lord. 
And and that word Lord in your English Bible is all caps. And then has a very specific meaning. That is the Hebrew Tetragrammaton, which is Yahweh. It's that name revealed to Moses. It's translated Yahweh or Jehovah. God said to Moses, my name is I am that I am. It speaks of the I am of God, that he is self-existent and non-dependent. God himself is the source of all that is good, as it says there in uh, James 1.17. And it's because of his I am that we are. You literally exist because of his I am. And listen, he is all that we need. He is our all in all. That's what Lord in this way, Jehovah, Je- uh, Jehovah Yahweh means. Trust in the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah. Now watch this and do good. You know, real trust in God, the Lord Jehovah, our all in all results in doing good. And, and listen, don't get the cart before the horse here. Trusting God is first. Trusting God, he is the source of our goodness, of my goodness. And what naturally comes about when I trust in him, the source of all goodness, is that I do good. This is a thing of root and fruit. The root is the Lord Jehovah, our all in all, and trusting him, the fruit is doing good. So Psalm 37, verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Now listen to this. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Dwell in the land. You know, dwell means to live in, to be at home. Not like strangers and nomads wandering here and there and not having any permanent place to call home. No, uh, dwelling in the land means to live as at-home dwellers. And that is such an encouraging thing. I think when we go through crisis, especially when we're going through crisis when, of injustice, when someone is doing something against us that's wrong, We can feel like a vagabond. We can feel like a nomad. We can feel like a stranger, like we have no place we can call home. But God says, "Uh uh-uh. He says, trust in the Lord, Jehovah. Do good. Dwell in the land. Almighty God, the king of the universe, says dwell in the land. And watch this. Feed on his faithfulness. Man, I love that. (laughs) Feed on God's faithfulness. We are nourished and strengthened just like good food by God's faithfulness. Listen, we can take in God's word. It is faithful. You can rely upon that word to feed you give you direction, give you illumination, give you instruction, and above all, reveal God and who he is. You can feed on his faithfulness. And it's so because God is good. God is faithful. 
So the word of prescription that God is giving us when life is not fair from Psalm 37 is verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Well, there's more things that uh, come out. And I want to make this point that this idea of trusting in the Lord is the root place, uh, rooted in his goodness, rooted in his faithfulness, rooted in his righteousness. And the result is the verses that follow, doing good in verse 3, dwelling in the land, feeding on his faithfulness. Verse 4, delighting in him and him giving us the desires of our heart. Uh, You know, we commit our way to the Lord, verse 5, and trust in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring his righteousness and his faithfulness. He will bring it to pass. Well, time is getting away from me. It is time to uh, wrap up today's episode. We are in the midst and we've just started today a brand new series called God's Prescription When Life Isn't Fair. And I'm going to say that God gave me this prescription many years ago, decades ago in my walk with him, and he has frequently circled me back, brought me back to this important place. Dear friend, I want you to take a moment and I want you to evaluate where you are. It is so important that we are self-aware, that we understand where we are emotionally. You know, as a parent who raised three boys, there's a time in which, you know, a child may not be aware of what they're struggling with. And so a good parent will say, what's going on? How do you feel? I'm mad. Or that's not fair. Or he hurt me. It's important to identify our struggle. But it's important for us to bring that struggle to the Lord. That's the key idea here. Not to run ahead and take matters into our own hands. And I think just about everybody has done that to deep regret. And this is certainly not the time to do that, as if there ever was a time to take matters into our own hands. I want to let you know, dear friend, that this series will be a very powerful word of encouragement to you, and uh, I want you to continue to keep tuned in uh, to this ongoing series, God's Prescription When Life Isn't Fair. And as I always say, I want you to be my best advertising. (laughs) Spread the word. Let other people know about this. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people right now that are just at the breaking point. They are so frustrated. And I'm concerned about that, quite honestly. I'm concerned what people will do when they let that fretfulness, that frustration boil into anger and then taking matters into their own hands. God forbid that that would happen. No, let's let's do what those in another generation did. When things are tough, get down on our knees, lay the problem out before the Lord, and turn to him, trust in him. Let's take time to pray right now. Father, I thank you that you are the king. You are the one who reigns supreme. And I thank you, Lord, that no election will ever unseat you in your rule and your throne. You reign as Lord of lords and king of kings for all of time and eternity. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can rest our weary, suffering souls upon your faithfulness. And the fact that you are king, you are the absolute ruler, you are the one who raises up rulers and brings them down. Father, we are not at the mercy of the wicked. We are at the mercy of God. And I thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you for your care. I thank you for your grace. Father, continue by the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and revelation of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, friend. I want you to take your prescription. I want you to, and I'm going to do this too, to read these two Psalms. Psalm 37 and Psalm 73, if you can, do it every single day. Let God minister to you. Let him speak to you. I am telling you, this is a now word for us right at this point in time, at the beginning of December of 2020. And I'll tell you, if you're listening to this message and it's 10 or 20 years from now and you're dealing with something, this is the eternal word of God. It still speaks powerfully to us wherever we are, whenever we are. So that's your homework. Prayerfully read through Psalm 37 and Psalm 73. Would you do that? That's God's prescription for you and for me when life isn't fair. And the good news is God prevails. He prevails in his goodness. He prevails in his righteousness. And he does amazing things. I'm going to say, dear friend, that God is up to amazing things on this earth. And we don't even have a clue. Because God is good. God is merciful. God is a saving God. God is a delivering God. God is a blessing God. God is on the move. And cheer up, dear friend. We are on the right side. We are on the Lord's side. This is Mark Van Oos. Dear friend, always remember what it says in Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him.